Oh, hello. That's so adorable. I told you I did it! I got it! I mean, TTRPGs are about fun and about collaboration. The, what this all builds, what this is all building towards, is more empathetic connections between people. There you go. Go there in the end. Hello, and welcome to Delightful Dungeon Diving, a coffee or tea table podcast dedicated to talking about TTRPGs and character development. And to start us off with our bewitching beverage, I'm going to kick it over to Ibrahim. Hello. Our bewitching beverage is sort of an introduction to our scene. Uh, I think our bewitching beverage today is going to be an apple cider. Uh, a nice spiced apple cider. Uh, got your allspice in there. Got your cinnamon nice. sticks. And you got a good, good quality Michigan apples. Hard to get in the South, but whatever. It's fine. It's fine. Um, <laughs> and that's for our scene today, which is going to be uh, deviation. Amazing. Uh, Baines is an old smuggler, a rowdy engineer with a mischievous mind who got both themselves and their partner into and out of a hundred hairy situations in their long career. Beans had always regretted getting out of the spacefaring life, and when the opportunity to stow away on Bellamy's outgoing ship presented itself, Beans just couldn't resist one last ride. Bellamy is a young, ambitious star pilot with dreams of visiting every port and planet they can. Bellamy has finally managed to nab a job leading outside their moonport, piloting the mysterious vast on a bounty job. Now that the job is complete, Bellamy is not going to let the opportunity to explore pass them by. Vaz is an outsider and holds themselves apart from most. Vaz keeps their motivations and goals close to the chest and is known as a brutally efficient bounty hunter. However, a recent setback with their own ship has led them to hire out the young Bellamy as a taxi on their more recent mission. Uh, Nick here. I'm also going to be in this scene, but I'll let you guys uh, try to spot the character I'm portraying. Aboard the Platypus, a small but spectacular star cruiser, young pilot Bellamy has just successfully carried the relentless bounty hunter Vaz on a job. Now, Bellamy is desperately trying to convince Vaz to go off course. Bellamy may not get another chance at adventure, and they aren't going to let this one slip through their fingers. Okay, so we chased the ship the guys was on. We found the guy. You, um, stole the guy. And we turned the guy in. Bounty's done. According to these credits transferred to my account, yes, the bounty is indeed done. So, where to now? Back to Port Mistaken, where my ship's repairs are underway, where you picked me up from. Well, yeah. I mean, I assumed, but then again, there are plenty of jobs out past the Starlight Bridge. And how do you know that? I was looking them up while you were, uh, getting the guy. While I was hunting the bounty. Oh, is that what you say in the biz? That sounds cool. I am a bounty hunter. It's not complicated. Still. So, yeah. There are a bunch of really high rewards tags on some of these. Are you sure you don't want to look first? We are going back to Port Mistaken. Okay, okay. But what about 1.2 million credits? 1.2 mil... Where's the bounty? Platypus! Pull up the search parameters I gave you. Here are the results for bad guys needing abducting. Where the hell did that voice come from? Oh, yes, Platypus, my ship. Well, Lee ship. I don't like claim ownership since Platypus can really think for himself. Hello, Vaz. Why are we only just now hearing the voice? Uh, well... You wanted to catch up to that bounty, and I told Platypus to make it in time, which we did, of course. It's just... Bellamy pushed me 25% past my safe maximum speed threshold. Why didn't you give a warning? Platypus, that was directed at you. Bellamy toggled my mute function. Bellamy? Okay, okay. I'm not proud of it. And I've never done it before, and while you were bonking that guy on the head or whatever, I profusely apologize. 
I just really needed to get off of Port Mistaken, and the only way you'd hire me is if Platypus would go fast enough. I am quite fast. I enjoy going 25% past my safe maximum speed threshold. Alright, Platypus. Just tell me, how close were we to critical damage? Would you like that expressed as a percentage or more personable terms? Whichever you'd prefer. We were almost severely boned several times. However, due to Beans' operations, my cooling cells maintained a safe operating parameter. Beans? What do you mean, Beans help? Howdy, Space Cowboys. And Beans, I presume you stowed away? Yep. Ah, good thing I did. Y'all were almost severely boned. Beans, you're here? This is awesome. We've got us an adventuring party. No, no. This is no party. You are taking me back to Port Mistaken. Okay, Vaz. I heard the kid. That bounty is 1.2 million credits. As in, buy a new ship, buy Beans a new ship, and put Bellamy in actual piloting school money. You sure you don't want to check it out? The bounty is quite close, and thanks to Beans' interference, my fuel cells will be recharged in three open expanse ticks. This was not the plan, but if I can nab that bounty before anyone else... Wait, what did you mean by put Bellamy through actual piloting school? Oh, (laughs) Uh, you didn't know? I can explain. Bellamy is self-taught. I am quite proud. And terrified. Would you like the ratio of proud to terrified expressed as a percentage, or... Severely boned. I'm severely boned. But, let's go. That's too much money to ignore. Adventure it is. Adventure it is. Yes! No regrets. (laughs) Amazing. (laughs) Okay. Well, that was absolutely delightful. A delightful dungeon dive, if you would. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Excuse me. (laughs) Uh, It's just some DDD pod humor. Um, My name is Ibrahim. I use he, him pronouns. Uh, Fun fact about me. uh, I own five wigs. Oh. Wigs. I do. That's fun. I have uh, a white afro wig. I have a black afro wig. I, I you might be noticing a, a theme here. Um, <laughs> I have a rainbow afro wig. I have nice. a link wig, but specifically nice. like Gerudo link. Oh, like nice. Cool. That's um, uh, what's the other one? Oh, the other one is a um, uh, uh, it's a Deku from My Hero. Nice. <laughs> nice. That's cute. Those are the wigs that I have. (laughs) More than I have. Hello, uh, I am Hannah, pronounced she, her, and my odd fact today is that the, at least one of, if not the TV show that I've probably watched the most of anything is Futurama. (laughs) I have watched every episode multiple times, um, at least twice, probably far more. It's kind of just my comfort show. If I need something on to be mildly entertaining in the background um, or just something easy to watch, that is my go-to. I am a little concerned about them coming up with even more new episodes. I was very content with the last series finale they had, Mm -hmm. but I'm sure once they come out with the new episodes, I will be all in because I love these characters and the stories that they create mm-hmm. um, and these actors and it's just such a fun world uh, so I always go back. Nice. Absolutely. Uh, I'm Nick. Uh, I use he him pronouns and um, <clears throat> odd fact about me uh, my uh, wife and I, me and Christina have done uh, back in the day did several open mics um, not comedy, but singing. Um, I didn't do theater or anything big in school, but 
we part of our early relationship was writing music together and uh we yeah we um had the experience of going to some bars and playing a couple original songs up in front of people which was That's absolutely cute. terrifying uh, <laughs> but we've got a got a binder i think we have something like 40 to 50 original songs in there That's amazing. Um, so yeah, just odd fact about me. <laughs> I love that. That's very good. Um my odd fact um I was kind of reminded by Bellamy's braces um, about my own teeth. And, um, <laughs> and uh, you know, you have your two front main teeth, you know, the big two at the front. Yeah, the, mm-hmm. the, the chiclets, yes. The, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. Your rabbit teeth. And then next to that, you have like the little ones before you then get to the canines. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, one of my little ones just never grew. Just never oh, got weird. one. So oh. when my milk tooth dropped out, like my baby tooth, there was just a gap and the dentist did all the x-rays and stuff. And they're like, there's just nothing there to replace it. Just didn't get, Weird. didn't get. So I can't be a vampire now cause I'm wonky and it's really. <laughs> no, no, you can be an Ikea vampire. You just, That's true. I you're just missing some of those, missing um, some of the bolts. Yeah. <laughs> so whenever anyone does like the vampire, the masquerade, like cosplay, I'm just like, I can't do it. It's really annoying. <laughs> it's really upsetting. Um, so I can never dress up as a vampire. Yeah. Um, so that was my fun fact. And uh, that's going to lead us into the splendid snack. And I thought, uh, inspired by the platypus and the fact that it does in fact lay eggs, um, my <laughs> splendid snack uh, is actually eggs and soldiers. I don't know if you have eggs and soldiers in the US or wherever you are listening no, to this from. No, I don't. I'm sure I've heard of it before. But I need I've more also information. What's the soldier? Eggs and soldiers, it? right. So I had it for breakfast this morning, actually, because it's lit. But basically, um, <laughs> you, <laughs> you soft boil uh, an egg. So uh-huh. you've still got the gooey middle. Um, and then you get some toast with some butter on. And then you... You cut it into soldiers, which is just like lines. You just cut okay. it into like Oh, strips. yes. Yes, yes, and yes. And then you dunk that, that bad boy in the boiled egg. Yep. Oh, I have heard okay. of this. It's no. good. It's very good. That does sound okay. good. You're welcome. Nice. Good Ooh. breakfast or, or brunch activity if you fancy something a bit exciting. Yeah, Eggs there you go. Soldiers. That's my splendid wow. <laughs> Leading That's us incredible. into our topic of discussion. Um, agency. Which is good completely related to eggs in every yeah day. i mean that that came um, up a little bit in our scene um with uh i mean really uh bellamy was the one that was stealing away everyone's agency she was a little little bit. Ex- yeah, yeah. Except that you, was you entirely ar- incidental when i was writing yeah. that scene i, I didn't i didn't <laughs> mean for that to happen <laughs> you could argue that there there was some agency subverted by beans stowing away but uh, generally, mm-hmm. Bellamy, both in muting platypus as well as in um, trying to manipulate uh, uh, Vaz into going off on the bounty, are, are mm-hmm. sort of ways to subvert agency. Um, but yeah. when it comes in terms of TTRPGs, uh, the, because of the power dynamic at play, it can definitely be a little bit more significant and more harmful i would even argue mm-hmm. yeah absolutely yeah. and a topic we'll touch on here too uh, with agency is um the idea of sandboxing versus railroading and in, in this scene vaz was intended to be somewhat a representation of railroading and going point a to point b mm. uh, versus the instinct that you know most players or i'll say some players, some players will want to be much more, you know, open sandbox, world, open sandbox, world. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm, Which mm-hmm. seems to be in vogue these days, especially in video game development. Open, open world seems to be yeah. in vogue. Yeah, for sure. It's the, it's the kind of people who like to do the main quest versus the people who do all the side quests yes. first before you do the main quest. I know the I'm, world I'm is a side, uh, reaching I'm a side but... quest subvert the <laughs> so plot person in, in video games. It has been years and Christina yep. is still in the opening act of Red Dead Redemption because she has hunted Oof. every animal available. <laughs> nice. I love it. I love nice. It. <laughs> I just finally beat Calamity Ganon after Oh, well like, done. <laughs> three years of not playing the game and like a year and a half of playing it but not 
going to Hyrule Castle. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I mean, just in time for Tears of the Kingdom, I guess. That's kind of that's that's kind of how I play video games. I get right up to the uh, the boss battle. Lose interest, and then mm-hmm. the sequel comes out, and I beat the game just in time for the sequel. I have to sequel. figure out how to play this again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Refresh your muscle memory. I like that. Did the same thing with Horizon. <laughs> oh, I still need to finish Horizon Zero Dawn too. Anyway, TTRPGs. The TTRPGs. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, oh, yeah, there was As you can see, um, we got sidetracked by. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we, we have ourselves. taken your agency in that we are not talking about the thing that we're supposed to talk about, <laughs> yeah. and you did not. Discovery sign never up. ending. <laughs> uh, but uh, broadly, I think um, it, it it's kind of like it's helpful to just just define what we're talking about when we say player agency, because that's kind of vague. Um, mm-hmm. I would say that player agency in general is the uh, phenomenon where a player feels that the actions presented to them in the context of the game are meaningful and that their choice has a meaningful and lasting impact uh, on the situation that they are engaging in. Um, Absolutely. And not only would I say that, the uh, University of California at Santa Cruz would also say that. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of what I think about agency. Um, I'm curious if there's anyone who like has an idea of like a differing opinion of what agency is or just free free reign. Let's talk about agency. No, it, it comes it, – that's pretty much it. Um, for me, what it boils down to is just – the feeling it, it's about expectations in mm-hmm. in a big way um and you know the feeling that you're not being forced or shoehorned into anything that um it it comes down to like do, do you feel like the power dynamic with your gm is something that they are abusing and being unfair about their ability to shape the narrative around you? Mm-hmm. Or do you feel like you have power to tell the story of your character? Yeah. Um, I think one of the th- places where player agency comes up the most is that everybody is on the same page of how to handle character death, for example. Mm-hmm. Um you know, having those discussions at your table both ahead of time and and when it occurs of, you know, if the player wants to continue this character's story, do they have the option of their character being revived? Um, Or, you know, do you not consent to your character being killed in any capacity, even temporarily? Mm -hmm. Um, And then having the GM honor those preset expectations and you know boundaries mm-hmm. absolutely mm-hmm. i think for me it, it it boils down to um a lack of control mm-hmm. um it's like i i want to be able to control how i act and how i react to things and if my character's interactions are being dictated by someone else i feel like i've lost agency and that's no fun for me mm-hmm. um so being able to have that um that literal control and that's why it's so important for people who do have a tendency to need to control everything and it's this can be for some gms they have that kind of tendency to um want to really really control what's happening and it's very difficult because players as as we all know never do what you want them to do um (laughs) so instead of forcing them like your only option is to take door a because it's the only door available to you versus what would happen if you let them jump out the window i mean you know it's (laughs) let them let them decide and it, it will make your game more exciting they'll have much more fun because they'll feel in control um, of their decisions and their actions. Um, those, those, those actions can have consequences for sure. <laughs> let me put that straight, you know, they can absolutely have consequences, but let them make the decision. Um, I think it's a, I think it's an obvious, you know, like two sides of the coin sort of situation to say that, mm. yeah, this goes for GMs too. And like GMs can be set up in a way by a player group where like, you're, you're, you're thinking, okay, 
why don't you guys just replace me with, you know, chat GPT or an algorithm? Like you're wanting me to right. run the adventure exactly the way you wanted it to go. This isn't point. fun for me. That that's, mm. that's an obvious example. But one thing I've also discovered in my time as a GM is the idea of GMs accidentally taking away their own agency uh, oh, when yeah. it comes to, you know, getting yourself into a corner with plot or mm-hmm. a character situation, um, chatting about character deaths and especially in a mechanic like Dungeons and Dragons fifth edition where you are rolling death saves for a character and if a character takes damage they automatically lose one of those saves I have been in the position as a game master where a character went down and made a very tense moment I was not intending to try and kill that character but then very quickly realized oh there are no other enemies next to this character but this one. There are no other people available, no other targets, and it makes no sense whatsoever that they wouldn't just try to finish this character off. And I realized I wrote myself into a problem. I did that in a kid's mm. campaign once, and luckily I talked with the with the kid uh, during the game and said, hey, you can see what's just happened. And they're like, no, I totally get it. It makes sense. Let's do this. But that can happen with a lot of situations too, where you oh, yeah. write yourself into a corner What's the, the 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 really fun example you see on the meme of a game uh, game master who has said uh, earlier in the campaign mentioned a mountain in the background of a town and when the players visited the town again they described it as being an open plain and one of the characters says ooh I'm really excited to find out what happened to that mountain and the GM goes oh shit me too so you can <laughs> easily get yourself into a situation oh, where you have taken away your own control of the game. Yeah. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I mean, right. I think to to that point, Nick, especially for your specific example of, you know, the the dice rolls a certain yeah. way and it, the only choice that makes sense for the antagonist would be to kill off the character that is already in death saves. Um, I think it's fine, though, to give yourself permission to write your way out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, a great example of that I can think of is... Uh, my husband was GMing a game for us, and we were rescuing this person that had been captured from a caravan. We didn't know who they were. Turns out they were the god of time. Um, <laughs> and that provided a great opportunity. And so when we very nearly TPK'd, um, you know, we sort of we blinked and there was a reroll. And he justified it in the narrative because, of course, he had the opportunity that we were ending up saving the, the god of time there. But, uh, and he also, uh, of the two characters, no, of the three characters that went down, um, two of us stabilized and one didn't. And we didn't have any healing left. And my husband took our other friend into the side room and did a sidebar with them. And sort of was like, okay, you know, what do you want to do? I have an idea of how to save your character. But if you would like their story to end here, they're going to, you know, go out on their death saves and they're gone. Right. Um, And to the credit of my friend, they were kind of okay with either option. So they came back out, they grabbed a D20 and they rolled and they rolled low. And so the character ended up, um, you know, dying. But apparently my husband's idea was going to be that, again, this god of time could have done some of his magic that he was sort of watching us magically from, you know, two floors down in the dungeon, and he could have made that undone. Um, And so don't discount your opportunities to create new agency for players when the roll of the die seems to take it away from you. Because... At the end of the day, we we are working with a fiction that involves magic in you know mm-hmm. in the vast majority of cases, and um, there are options if you just look for them. You can you can make something up. Yeah, and I right. think that's a heart of TTRPGs. You know, when D D was first uh, conceived, the idea that like yes, the dice give us these constraints and rules. And we've talked about that before, how it makes choices matter more, but also they were never meant to punish and they're never meant to limit your options. They're only meant to expand your options. I I like that we're talking a lot about both player and GM agency, because I think, Mm -hmm. um, and this is a topic that's kind of come up in the discourse recently, but it's very easy for uh, either the players or for the GM to sort of overstep their bounds and start... Mm 
taking on uh, parts of the story that belong to the other party. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking mm-hmm. of the example yeah, of a GM uh, who starts to narrate how the player character feels. Oh, um, and yeah. how that can easily become very grating because the mm-hmm. only control mm-hmm. that I have over this story is through my player character and their choices, their yeah. actions, their feelings. So mm-hmm. for the GM to say, you feel this, I could say, whoa, actually, no, I don't. Uh, wild of you to assume that, you know, right. and that that can be a little bit of an infringement. Um, another thing that like really commonly gets uh, uh, kind of like red carded or x carded out of games like it's just not on the table is stuff like mind control because a lot of the time people do not want to engage with that it's not very fun for them for whatever Mm -hmm. complicated reasons or simple reasons um and then also it reduces player agency at the table yes and and that's something that i have a little bit of a soapbox for um the the gm involved in this i've had an extensive discussion with them about what happened and what could have gone differently but uh we were in a game where my GM had a cursed item introduced to the mix. Um, it was a sentient item that had the power. We didn't really quite realize it at the time, but it had the power to influence anyone who touched it. Um, and there was, you know, there's a mind control element to that. Um, and this was sort of before people t- were talking quite so much about consent sheets and making sure things are cool ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Um I, I think if it had gone about in a different way and it had inevitably happened, I, I would have been okay with my character being mind-controlled, influenced, uh, what have you. Um, but the way – my my GM was so, so intent on having this plot point happen that one of the players gets mind-controlled by this item that are coming up with ways to thwart having to actually touch the item he just kind of rewrote a spell on the fly right um based Mm. that you know i i figured i could pick it up with mage hand and it wouldn't be a problem and rules as written and i'm not necessarily usually a sticker stickler for rules as written but in this case it does apply um if you're using mage hand to pick up an item you're not actually touching it but this GM mm-hmm. was so intent on this plot point happening and no one was touching the item that they just said, all right, well, because it's Mage Hand, you get advantage on your saving throw, but you still have to do a saving throw. And I, from the moment I failed that saving throw, I just felt dead inside mm-hmm. because yeah. I felt that I had done something that my expectations were that it was going to protect my character, mm-hmm. that I had made a choice deliberately. And that spell had not protected me in the way it was supposed to. And I just completely shut down for the rest mm-hmm. of the game. And um, I am a little better now that we've actually talked it out, but I kind of lost interest in playing that character at all, even after the mind control was resolved mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because yeah. of that chapter in her history. And what I discussed with my friend that I think, you know, another an alternative that they could have gone with was, well, you know, maybe for some reason the item is immune to, to, uh, to Mage Hand. Maybe we can't pick it up with Mage mm-hmm, Hand. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, force us to touch it, but don't let Mage Hand not protect us. You found a clever way around the thing. You you came up with a, a, a novel right. solution to this problem right. that you were presented with. Right. And then it feels like, or but my perspective would have been, I'm being punished right. for yeah, coming up with say. a novel solution. Mm-hmm. I was clever, right. and now I'm being punished for it. Right. And it's it's a real metaphorical slap in the face. Um. And so, you know, don't don't punish your players for coming up with clever ideas. You can come up with a reason why the clever idea doesn't work, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. don't make the clever idea backfire, mm-hmm, right? right? I think that's that's where, where the, the nuance is because if I had tried to use Mage Hand and it didn't work and we couldn't lift the thing, well, now we're back to square one and trying to find out another way that we can pick this up without it being a problem. And eventually somebody is going to decide that we need to move this item. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're going to touch it anyway. But there's a, there's an inherent consent there that they know the risk they're taking by picking up the item. Yeah, yeah. I think if yeah. they had made it clear, if you use Mage Hand, it will still affect you. It gives you the right. choice then to rescind that 
that reaction um instead of just going well you've done it now so right or you know hey before you do that maybe do an arcana check Right, um, something like that. I, I think that's a com- I think that's a very common experience in TTRPGs of when you are coming up with a solution to something and you you have either it it doesn't work, but it doesn't work because of obvious reasons that you did not think of, versus it doesn't work because a GM is shoehorning or a player yes. is shoehorning something to yes. subvert you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you know, um, uh, easy easy ideas. You're, you're on an airship and a character. You're like, I knocked them off the airship. Ha ha. You're like, okay, cool. They have wings. You can see that they have wings. They're flying next right. to you now. And that's a moment that Brennan Lee Mulligan, I saw something where he he was talking about teaching improv and how the funny thing that we laugh at is not the thing is not necessarily the thing that happens, but the thing that happened before the thing. And in that sort of situation, everyone at the table can laugh at like, dude, you saw it had wings. Like he described, it's a flying creature. And everyone goes, okay, (laughs) you wasted your turn, but we can see why it failed versus like what happened to you. I kind of feel like one of the marks of a good game master is that quote from game masters. Oh, well, y'all didn't go there. Let me put this gigantic map aside because it means the game master is not going to force and railroad you into something, even though they Mm. obviously put a lot of work into it and they really wanted it to happen. They're open to you exploring. I I do want to though, clarify that railroading is not inherently bad. No, 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 not necessarily. Um, And I think the way to handle it that still feel still gives the players an amount of choice is you have the set encounters that you want to have happen but how you get from point a to point b is up to the players absolutely you know eventually they're going to come upon a clearing or open a door and these bad guys are going to be there but what happens to get them there is up to them yeah Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm That actually raises an interesting question um, for me is the um, having um, a pre sort of destined destination, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like, this is the ending. This is where they will get to. How a they get there final is up destination? to them. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. An um, end goal. <laughs> an end goal. Um, does that mean that it's just the illusion of choice? And does that make it any better? Interesting. That not is, necessarily. I, mm, okay, I think it is. Well, I think it is kind of the illusion of choice in that if you're if you're running a module, right? There is yeah. there are set things that are going to exist in that module, and you can mm-hmm. improvise other things. But mm-hmm. there is a core that you're working off of. But within that core, there is still plenty of space for the players to make choices, to change the world, and have agency to act as they choose within that uh, within that like sandbox. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that that invalidates the players' choices in and of itself, but it does provide some like soft boundaries to them. Like uh, if I'm playing in a hard fantasy campaign, um, and I decide to play i decide that i'm going to go to space now and i'm going to do uh the expanse that is kind of a a violation of the uh, the idea that we cannot do that in a fantasy campaign or that we are not going to do that in a fantasy campaign because obviously you could but i don't think that that really limits your choices i don't think that's a restriction on your agency it's just that we have agreed that we're going to do this thing together and Mm. if you go outside the boundaries of that thing i'm not going to be able to furnish that yeah, because at the end yeah. of the day, it's it's about mm-hmm. everyone's fun, including the GM. And while the yeah. GM mm-hmm. should not be, uh, you know, totally keeping players from having any choice in how the narrative progresses, the players should also honor the framework of the world the GM has created. Right. Yeah. Right. I think for me, um, uh, I don't I don't mind it having like the um, the end goal, and that end goal does not really shifting like that is just the goal of the party that's the goal of the quest right um when i mentioned illusion of choice it's like you could you could conclude this in like one of two ways maybe you could um save the princess and she then rules the kingdom with kindness or you could i don't know 
kills someone else and it ends up doing something different. But where it's the, where I get grumpy is that if you choose to save someone and then the GM or whoever's like, oh, they're going to die in a freak accident in the yeah. next yeah. session anyway. Right. That completely is like, what's the point in giving us that option in the first place if you're going to just do that? Um, that's That for me is like that illusion so. of choice. It's like, yeah, sure, you can do that thing, but it's not going to change what I've decided is going to happen to you later. It's like, you mm-hmm. just have to kind of roll with the punches. It's like, it makes the story so much more interesting. Yeah. Um, and like any sort of storyteller or writer or kind of creator or GM, they only have... Um, so many ideas you're not you know Mm. you don't have unfathomable ideas and and resources and creation and imagination um although you you can argue but having someone suddenly go oh actually i want to do this or use this in this Mm -hmm. way and you're like oh shit i didn't even think about that that's so much better that's such a better way to resolve this and like go with it roll with it and it could make it you know it's so much more exciting down the line um instead of going no i want it to end this way whether you like it or not thank you very much yeah <laughs> right no 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 i mean yeah. that's that's huge that's huge mm-hmm. the, the idea that you have no impact on the world around you why are you even showing up at the table right yeah exactly. you know, like, okay well gm since you have a clear idea of what you want to happen and what is the right thing to happen uh just go write your fantasy novel and i will just right. go about my day over here on my exactly. own exactly right, your fantasy exactly. novel yes yeah yeah if you want another to write a story write a story yeah another <laughs> facet of this that i i also want to touch on from a gm's perspective is Staying aware of what has happened to your players or your PCs mm-hmm. in recent sessions yes, um, in a way that you, you can completely inadvertently make them feel targeted if things con- consistently don't go their way. Yes. And it can be little things. Um, when my husband was a very new GM, he did one campaign, one, one session of our campaign where he just had really poor dungeon design, and there was a five foot high, a uh, five foot hallway that we could only have one person go through at the time, and then it ended in a door, and then there was a room beyond that, and the hallway got um, blocked because somebody summoned a monster, somebody summoned summoned a, an animal uh, to help, and my character was back around the corner. I could not act in that combat. I could not get through the hallway. Everything was happening at the doorway and in the room. I had no line of sight. I literally could not do a damn thing. And I'm sat there just like twiddling my thumbs, have no way of of participating in the battle. Now, my GM had no intention of removing anybody's opportunity from participating in combat, just didn't think about the design of having only five feet of the hallway Mm -hmm. and that that could create a bottleneck but i lost my agency of being able to participate in the fight and Mm -hmm. that really was crummy for me well the following session my husband decided that a plot point was necessary for us to warp to a different area and he decided the plot point of why we did that was somebody needed to temporarily die so we could go to the place where so we could get teleported to the place where there was the high-level magic user that could wish the character back to life. And because we were dating, he felt that I wouldn't be upset with him oh, and that no. he could talk it out with me. So oh, no. literally one session <laughs> later, after I've spent a game where I just like can't act in combat because of happenstance, I end up on death saving throws and the dragon then hits me a second time to knock me out. And now again... It's not so much that my character died, but again, I'm sitting there and I can't act in combat because mm. my character's now down. And sure, yeah. the next session I was revived, my character got to continue her story, but it felt really crummy. And again, this is back when my husband was brand new as a GM and we've talked extensively about this. But those are sort of some unintentional consequences that caused me to not exactly feel picked on. I knew I wasn't being picked on, but it just was a crummy thing for me because I couldn't act. I couldn't do anything. Yeah, if you're playing a hobby where the main goal of the hobby is to play a game, then anything that prevents you from actually playing a game mm-hmm. can be frustrating. Um, and, and another time it's happened to me in a different campaign, again with my husband GMing, is my character was um, failed against a, a fear save. Mm-hmm. And mm. I 
again, I couldn't act. I couldn't get close to the dragon because I was right. afraid of it. And I, I didn't have anything. We ended up TPKing that one. Um, the, oh, but, dang. Uh, but um, we also, that's that's a story for another day, but we, we did end up just having a fun adventure in hell and we, you know, revived ourselves and it was great. Amazing. A fun adventure um, in hell. So, so like, Subtitle. you know, there, there's another thing. TBK does not mean, mean the end of the story. Um, mm-hmm. but, but pay attention to when your players are having crap luck with roles and, yeah. you know, maybe they're incapacitated because they fail, they fail a role. Well, maybe try to give them a boon to the next session so that they mm-hmm. aren't going to continue to have that bad luck that you have no, you know, it's nothing you've done actively, but try to throw in a little balance there. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to make sure we give enough time to, you, you mentioned the fear and, and we were talking about it earlier. The idea, um, it doesn't just pop up in D&D. It pops up in other uh, TTRPGs as well. The, the mechanics mm-hmm. of mind control. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, like we, we, we beat, beat this horse to death with the idea of our you know consent on session zero. And that should obviously mm-hmm. be something on there. But I want to point out like that this is something like in my kid campaigns, I've recently told all my kids, hey, just so you know, I'm phasing out these sorts of spells for use. Instantaneous yeah. things like fear or confusion or a projected image, that's okay. But controlling someone else, I, I don't like to mm-hmm. use it. And also, it also creates a situation, especially if you're playing virtually or in a situation where people can't physically see dice rolls. You know, I've had some kids start to abuse uh, the spell puppet because they can just like, if they're in a situation where they can make an NPC walk off of a train or something. Mm. Right. From yeah, my yeah. side, I was okay with that. You know, especially this particular kid, I was glad that they were finally flexing some creative muscle here. But I realized, okay, these NPCs keep failing this save because they don't have a lot of uh, whatever the skill needed was. If suddenly they don't, because I get tired of this, Mm -hmm. the kids are going to assume that I'm cheating. And you can get into that situation a lot with stuff that involves agency. You know, someone finds an exploit and suddenly it doesn't work anymore. It's just a, it's a really gnarly topic. (laughs) Um, So it's not simply about consent with mind control spells, but also about like, how will this play in the game mechanically and what could it lead Mm. to? I will point out a fun way to use mind control if you do have consent to mind control another character. If if the player is cool with it, give them a little bit of extra information privately about okay, there's here's your new goal, here's your new um, you know, what what your new motivation is, and now I'm going to let you run with it. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you're you the player are still in control, but your character's being mind controlled by, you know, this other character, but I'm going to let you have your agency to figure out how that happens. Yeah. Um, yeah. That makes an opportunity for someone to be the bad guy. <laughs> yeah. The player's not necessarily going to be on, on board for that, but some people are going to love being able to, mm-hmm. um, to uh, unprepared casters just did this recently uh, where a character was mind controlled and, Haley, the the GM, talked with the player behind the scenes between episodes and was like, hey, that ring is going to mind control you. Here's what's going to happen. And that player had full control over their character the entire time they were fighting the other PCs and they relished in it and they loved it. Mm -hmm. Um, But you have to make it you have to have consent you. and you have to <laughs> yeah and you have to explain the the framework of of this is what's going to happen this is what's going to happen this is the what needs to happen to pull you out of it yeah. um and here's how we're going to handle it and Absolutely. uh it can create some really fun stories if you have the consent and understanding i like that i also um i'm a big believer in <sighs> having those kind of like secret discussions with your GM to maybe surprise the rest of the party. Mm-hmm. It's um, there's nothing wrong with like the GM saying, Hey, I was thinking about this thing. I thought it could be really interesting to do with your character. If you'd be game, if they are, I'm receptive to that. Just discussing together, like what the end goal is. And then just mm-hmm. letting them improv with that kind of like, it's like, so basically if I mind control you, your secret mission as it were, yeah. is going to be to, I don't know, steal the ring from so-and-so or whatever. Um, and then letting them 
like you said, relish in that space and then just have some fun with it, knowing that, you know, you're still on the GM side and helping them put that story forward and make it interesting. Um, mm-hmm, you don't mm-hmm. have to say, right, your character now does this. Right. Um, have that kind of discussion. Let it be a surprise still for the others. You know, you can still, as the player being the one mind controlled, surprise the GM and maybe how you go about it. Um, uh, but yeah, I think it's, I think that's good. Uh, I like I that. Think that's a, that's a great way to, um, to head off the idea of betrayals is yeah. talking with your players beforehand and saying, Hey, each one of you is going to get to have a secret objective that goes with your character's <sighs> I love motivation. <laughs> um, there's a great board game dead of winter that sets that up too. Like everyone oh, has yes, an objective and sometimes those objectives are against the other players. But if everyone knows that that's a possibility, um, mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be a betrayal necessarily, but now you're giving the character a chance of like, hey, you have this instinct to really want to do something that the rest of the players don't know about. Mm-hmm. Cool. Just know that they all have the same instinct and none mm. of those will will put, will come out as betrayal yeah. unless we've talked about it. I, I don't do right. it in my kid campaigns because we only have so much time and we're online and I've told yeah, the kids fair. like, guys, you enjoy it. No one else in this room will enjoy it. So we don't do yeah. it. <laughs> right. Yeah. So... Uh- Sort of like building off of what uh, Hannah said earlier about like the specific example of that ring one or excuse me, not about the ring, the example of just like how a player can sort of feel bullied over the course of multiple sessions. Yeah. One way to sort of offset that is by using safety tools like stars and wishes or roses and thorns after session check-in that -hmm. just gives everyone an opportunity to say, this is what I liked about the session. This is what I didn't like. And Mm -hmm. what I didn't like, it does not have to be a specific thing that the GM did. It can be the results of dice rolls. You can be like, oh, I didn't appreciate how often I was failing, blah. I felt frustrated with uh, repeatedly failing this check or that. And that's that's how a a GM can sort of know like, oh, okay, these checks might be coming up too often because this person actually like left me a note basically saying that they didn't enjoy that. Um, And that's really helpful. I have written that down for my classes now. (laughs) Yes, they're very helpful. Uh, Yeah, I keep forgetting um, about stars and wishes, but I I love, love, love the concept. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I I personally, like, I I think I like roses and thorns more because I want to make sure, like, hey, if you have something negative, please say the negative thing. The negative thing is going to be so helpful in dodging it in the future. Um, Yeah, I think that's important. Um, We've been doing... uh, a round robin of something that you were proud of about yourself and then something you were, you really liked from someone else. And after That's the lovely. most recent, um, the, basically the, the, the last episode of the, of the arc, it, it got very, very heavy. Um, mm-hmm. there was, um, no, no spoilers for anyone. It's coming out kind of, don't, like don't, Tuesday, don't. But, um, it, it people had to step away from the, from the mic several times during that episode. Um, and I wanted to make sure before everyone left, um, I want people to again, say what they liked about it, but also what affected you the most in this and how do you Mm. feel? Um, so I didn't, uh, we didn't kind of like pick on, um, things we didn't like. I think maybe that could be a really interesting thing to bring up actually moving forwards. Um, cause that could still be very useful, but it gave people a chance to say, this actually, <laughs> you know, got me really badly and maybe I don't want to see it again. Or actually I was okay with this. I'm happy to do that again, moving forward. Um, it was again, having that ongoing consent discussion. Um, Absolutely. And I will say for anyone who does listen to it, everything that happened in that episode was discussed beforehand, even though it still hit hard in the moment. Mm-hmm. We as players, especially me as a player, knew what was going to happen and I'd agreed mm. to it. Um okay. But yeah, so <laughs> I'm sorry, Nick. Um, <laughs> but yes. um, oh, goodness, I'm an avid yeah. listener. Yeah, uh, uh, Patrick was. This doesn't have to go in the episode, but um, Patrick was doing the recap as he does, like for most episodes this morning, and he was like, "I have to step away from the recap." <laughs> it was getting really bad. Um, but yeah, goodness gracious. Anyway, Ibrahim, yes. I'm sorry. What's you up? said stars and wishes. I interrupted you and completely derailed you. Yeah. You were I love say it. Something oh else. no, no problem. Uh, I think. Yeah, I was going to say something else. Let me check my note here. Um, ah, this actually does have to do with the uh, the magic mind control ring. Um, Ooh. Here's what I like to do. And I know this doesn't work for every kind of GM. And some people, this would be anathema to them. But what I like to do 
as part of session zero and then also as part of just like after session decomp discussion mm-hmm. is ask like just legitimately straight up ask the 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 players hey what would your character do if mm. blah like oh. if i have a plot hook that's like dicey or like a plot hook that i'm like i want to know if anyone's before i write it before i develop mm-hmm. it before i like put it yeah. on the map and like plan out a whole session around it. I'm just gonna ask, hey, is anyone interested in engaging with this? What would your character do if they found a magic mind control ring? And if no one says they're that's gonna a, take it, I'm not gonna make one. That's <laughs> right. I'm not gonna do that in yeah. the session. That's very, very useful. I hate that you've brought that up and it's only now just occurring to me to do that because we had a we had a very <laughs> close friend growing up. Uh, Jimmy Burgess, if you ever happen to listen to this, I love you. And he used to drive yeah. us all up the walls with constantly. We'd be apropos of nothing, walking around. Hey, Nick, what would you do if a T Rex came out of the jungle right now? And, <laughs> ate you? and it was it was these all the time. And I didn't I appreciate them when I was a kid. And now I'm realizing, yeah. oh my god, this would have been perfect. Yeah. <laughs> but to, to Ibrahim's point, oh, yeah. like if you do that enough with enough variety mm-hmm. it doesn't necessarily have to forecast something that's happening yeah I and don't get, like if you make up. a yeah, habit of it if you make it a regular thing and you couch it as like this is you know character development suggestions for you so you can help figure out your player characters and then you know maybe it maybe one of your th- throwaway ones that's supposed to be a red herring is going to give you an idea or you know to to your point maybe one of the ones that's an idea you want to run with you realize is not going to fly with this group right Mm -hmm. um and and i that i see value to that on both the player and gm side of things and Mm -hmm. you know if you do it enough in advance and with enough variety of things that may or may not actually come into play it's not going to spoil anything yeah. yeah, that reminds me it's of a just, uh, a very devious post I'd seen about writing, and someone had said, you know, if I ever write a very popular fantasy novel, uh, I'm gonna join a bunch of different threads as an anonymous anonymous user and post fan theories and see which ones get traction <laughs> and which ones people like the most, and then that yeah. will become what I use in my book. I thought that is Amazing. brilliant, there you go. Um, beautiful. <laughs> so yeah, use that in your TTRPGs. <laughs> I. <laughs> The idea of, of agency, uh, sandbox playing versus railroading and everything in between. Obviously, mm-hmm. nothing is the wrong way to play um, as long as everyone's healthy and having fun and consenting to it. Right. Railroading can certainly be helpful uh, for people who have uh, a little more trouble with endless choice. And I certainly use railroading sometimes in my kid games because they don't know mm-hmm. what to do. And in sandbox games are uh, appeal to a very wide audience of people who want to just go exist in this world and have some escapism. Yeah, yeah. So Ibrahim, to your point of hypotheticals uh, that you can throw out to your players, do you have any hypotheticals for us? I this episode do. I got some hypotheticals. So uh, let's 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 set the scene a little bit. You're on a spaceship. You're on a little sardines in a can style spaceship you're out there in the great big empty uh here's the first <laughs> i have these are actually downtime events for a, uh, a hard sci-fi game <laughs> that i'm running um but uh so uh let's start with you hannah hannah what would you do if you were the captain of this intrepid space vessel uh and someone is exceeding their water allotment there's no cameras oh. near the wash but accusations are flying freely among the crew and people are getting a little bit testy because nobody can really find out who's been wasting all the water. Oh. What would you do, Captain Hannah? I mean, how big of a <laughs> ship is this? Uh, like, let's say it's a, like a little 20-person box. It's probably 20%? like 1,500, 2,000 square feet. It's not very big. I mean... uh this is going to be so lame, but like probably just start out with interviewing people. Okay. Um, and uh, trying to find out, you know, is there something going on where someone legitimately does need more water? Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, is, is, is something happening where they, they legitimately do need more? And if so, how can we redistribute to accommodate that? Um, 
or is there something else going on? Um, and uh, if if interviewing do- doesn't work, I don't really know what to do after that. But that's that'd be my first step. <laughs> I nice. love that. I love that. If I was the GM in this situation, I would definitely have your interviews lead to like a a lineup situation where you have your three suspects, and it's like, okay, we know it's one of you, <laughs> and then just follow you out in that that line of reasoning. Um, I, I, I wouldn't. That. I would try to be a little more subtle than that, though. Like oh, not, like, not <laughs> let them know. <laughs> Full like not not right. yeah not being not an interrogation an interview with like all <laughs> members of the crew um talk about the importance of you know sharing the water allotments so that everybody gets their their due but like you know have you been having any problems lately and you know maybe somebody is sick and they just like they need yeah. more they need to drink more water because they're sick and like mm-hmm. okay like how how can we get you medicine so that we can you know accommodate that um, in the short that. term, so that we all can... the while it's actually Captain Hannah taking like an hour. Long <laughs> <every> <laughs> it, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my impulse too. It's just somebody like you look at the crew and you're like, "Who's? Why are you, Private Jenkins? You're suspiciously clean." <laughs> <laughs> See, this is that this leads into what I would do as a captain is uh, I, I my first instinct of not wanting any conflict is I would just take the blame immediately and say I screwed up. But then my teacher, my teacher hat as captain, uh, something I would do as a, as a public teacher is I would say, hey, y'all, um, I totally messed this up. Uh, I, something mechanical went wrong and I dumped a bunch of our water uh, as, you know, unfortunately, this really sucks. You can all be mad at me, sure, but we're not gonna be able to run the toilets for the next week. So you know, until I get down to the bottom mm-hmm. of this issue, I can't run a toilets. I'll try to replace the water and, you know, take away something they really want. And maybe someone will come forward to be like, hey, I know you didn't actually do it. Can you please give us our toilets back? I yeah. love that. You're going to smoke them out. That's Very Poop good. them out. Very good. No! <laughs> Terrible. That do leaves you, us uh, Emily. What would you do? I, I've Emily. spent a week in a house that lost water because a pipe burst uh, with It'll work. Like, a group of people, <laughs> and it was not pleasant. <laughs> oh, this could be a fun segment. <laughs> I have tons of these. <laughs> uh, a part of me really likes the idea of, um, you know, the meme where it says, like, okay, which one of you broke it? And then they have like yeah. everyone like, what? No, it was him. No, I saw you. You were the last one with it, etc. And then it just devolves. Um, but that probably... <laughs> <laughs> don't do well in the long run um what the heck would i do um i <laughs> i'm such a dictator i hate it because <laughs> i'm like right that's it water's on a timer you'll get time slots until i figure out which one of you <laughs> is mm. using up all the water because if i have to have one more cold shower heaven help all of you they'll be going each one of you in an airlock one at a time until you confess wow. <laughs> okay. um, i mean you'll figure it out i guess <laughs> or the problem will stop yeah. Yeah. so my experience as a public teacher just all th- all three of our approaches was hannah was the, the counselor i'm a social studies teacher and emily was absolutely a coach <laughs> <laughs> this is exactly beat for beat how all of those people would solve that kind of problem. Yeah, it's like you will all be doing like a thousand laps of this tiny thing until like one of you like finally. It's like the kind of group punishment uh, right. thing until Somebody they, they until they force someone to confess. Yeah, and then the coach finds the, the missing key in their pocket. It's like, oh, oh shit! It was You're all in really good shape though. <laughs> they, Abraham, they, do you have an answer? Uh, what would I yeah. do? Uh, uh, I would. Uh, uh, I you know what I don't write answers to these. They're just scenarios. <laughs> these are these are downtime scenarios that like because I don't want to like railroad people into a specific solution to them. I just mm-hmm. write the situation and I write a question about the situation. Love it. That's and good. so to that end, I have not given any thought to the solution. But I think my personal solution, if I was presented with this, would probably be. Um, I would just land us in port and I would say we're not leaving and we're not doing any more jobs until somebody tells me who's soccer mom. Yes. You can all leave. The ship is not doing anything. You are all functionally furloughed until we figure out what the heck is going on. Oh, good. That's good. good. Well, those are some great ideas for, uh, for um, uh, helping with player agency, Ibrahim. Oh, yeah, thank you so much. That's lovely. Well, I mean, that's all the time we have for today. <laughs> My name is Ibrahim. I use he, him pronouns. You can find me everywhere on the internet that matters at cosmic underscore Ebe. 
Uh, we've got a lot of exciting projects going on over at the Nameless Domain. Uh, every other Friday, we're back with Prayers in the Static. Our newest game is a kids on bikes exploration of a strange experimental facility. Um, we're joined by Lola at Third Vault Yarns on Twitter and Kelly at The Kel Hop on Twitter. So uh, look forward to that. We've also got another exciting project that's going to be hosted on the Nameless Domain channel, um, Gudia, which has a trailer out. Check the Nameless Domain Twitter for more. Uh, this is being put together by uh, Hamna Shahid and Josephine Kim, uh, two amazing performers. Uh, so go check that out, and it's an amazing trailer. I won't say anything else about it. Go watch it. Uh I'm Hannah. You can find me mostly on TikTok at critical underscore stitch, talking about TTRPGs, sewing, and other fandom stuff. Amazing. And I am Emily Graymore. You can find me on TikTok, and there's a link tree to all of my other bits, or you can go to unbalancedencounters.com and find out what I'm doing there. And I'm Nick. You can find me on TikTok at Beardy Babbles and Instagram at Bearded Plaisance. You can find Delightful Dungeon Diving under TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter with the Delightful Dungeon Diving handle. So thanks for hanging with us uh, this time, y'all, and we'll see you on the next one. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye. I'm fucking up for everyone here, so no one else has to.